Yeah, I mean, where else are you going to see Jeffrey Combs with a penis growing out of the middle of his head? <laughs> it's a pineal gland. A pineal. It's not it's a, a penis. penis. <laughs> it's got a big head and a long shaft. It's a penis. <laughs> Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome, living in Trump's America. Who knows how long this will last. But Oh, stop it. But this week, <laughs> this week we're going to travel back in time to 1986. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Cecil Always Wrong. Uh, no, you're wrong. And Peter, giggling from a country that doesn't have to deal with Trump. Oh, for fuck's sake, knock it. Can we <laughs> stop politicizing can we everything? Just, can we just stay in 1986 so we can stop with the Trump bullshit and just live no, in a year? Scott's no, a good no, movie. That was Ronald Reagan then. Oh, well, whatever. All right, well, we'll talk about 1986 in a minute. In the meantime, what you freaks need to do is go get your freak on. You go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a power O-ring, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. As I said, we're talking about 1986. We've gotten a lot of people that really like these year retrospectives, so we're getting back to this for a little while. 1986, what's your takeaway movie from this year? Howard the Duck. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, I I like Howard, but uh, I'd probably have to go with Aliens. Aliens is just... A phenomenal movie. I mean, it, like every edition that's come out of that is good. Where the, you know the original theatrical version, and then the extended cut with the uh, with the, the um, with the auto guns in the hallway. Ripley uh, finding out that her daughter, like you know, outlived her more or less. Just such an incredible movie. I mean, the special effects were on. The pacing was perfect. It's just one of those like iconic films where they took the concepts and everything that was created with the original and expanded upon it and made it a much bigger universe that's really hard to do with sequels a lot of times sequels are just kind of continuations of what was already there but this they made it so much bigger and they showed more you know they they had the hives and they uh just uh, the the queen alien and so many amazing things in that just a a freaking incredible movie that uh uh, it's, it's tough because the original Alien is so good and then Aliens is just awesome. I mean, it's hard to say which, I mean, cause they're both good in completely different ways. Uh, so it's hard to say with, with that series, which one is the better of the two, but those are definitely the high watermarks of the series is one and two. I, I don't have one. I can't pick one. I'm going to pick three and they're three movies that pretty much shaped my childhood as a, as a movie. Fan, We got Transformers, the animated movie, which I was f***ing obsessed with, that I would watch repeatedly on VHS. Also, there's that, and there's Highlander, which I was also obsessed with. That was another repeat-viewing VHS movie. And, of course, 
Big Trouble in Little China. Those were my my three obsessive like childhood movies that I loved from this from this exact year, and I think that really helped to to shape my childhood. There's so many other ones. Like '86 is a great fucking year, but those three I think were probably like they were the earliest memories I have of just like watching really really fun movies. Movies that I would that I would go on to still love to this day, like like Highlander became such an obsession for me, you know, with with the TV show and the other sequels and everything, and and Big Trouble in Little China helping me to get into like more of John Carpenter's movies and the animated Transformers movie was just still to me to this day one of the one of the coolest animated films ever. So that holy trinity for me, I think would would define uh, 1986 as a movie year. See, I was going to go with Aliens, but Cecil stole that from me. So I'm going to go with, this was the year of Charles Band's The Eliminators. Mm. Basically, the exploitation version of the X-Men. The guy, the, <laughs> the, the, the cyborg with the tank tread legs, and you've got a ninja, and then you've got, you got the swashbuckling smuggler, and then you got the scientist, and Eliminators is such a fantastic movie, and you got time travel, and interdimensions, and giant robots, and Eliminators, I remember the first time I saw the commercial for this on MTV, and I was like, I have to see this movie. And then it, the, <laughs> it didn't come theatrically near me at all. So when I saw that on video, it, I don't care if the movie didn't quite live up to my 11-year-old expectations. Eliminators is a fantastic movie, and I watched it again on DVD about two years ago, and it's still really damn cool. So I'm taking Eliminators since Cecil stole Aliens from me. So 1986... This is the first year, as Peter had established when we were talking about the 70s and the early 80s, it takes a while for for a, a decade to kind of transition over into the pop culture. This is the first year where I think the 80s really started to cement themselves as the 80s. 1986 is a very 80s year. There are a lot of movies, both in the sci-fi and horror genres, as well as mainstream films, dramas, action movies, that are quintessentially 80s movies. And I think you really see that here. Non-sci-fi, non-horror, what 1986 films do you remember that are non-genre related? The closest might be Manhunter, because that one, I mean, it's a horror, but it's more of like a thriller, and it's the first time we get to see Hannibal Lecter on the big screen, and he's played uh, brilliantly, in my opinion, by uh, Brian Cox. I feel like it was a little more subtle and more subdued and more realistic than uh, Anthony Hopkins' more kind of, he was great, but it was more kind of cartoonish. I love that one. That's got a great Tangerine Dream soundtrack. That was when uh, when uh, Michael Mann really had that... Uh, 1980s aesthetic, lots of neon, uh, lots of shadow. Manhunter would probably be the one I would take take out of that that year as the non sort of genre confined one, and more of like a legit awesome thriller, crime crime thriller kind of thing with some horror elements here and there, but definitely the more uh, serious one that I can remember. And it's just it's just a fantastic movie, just all around one of my favorites when it comes to like the crime thriller kind of stuff. I'd probably have to go with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I have always had a soft spot for that. Um, it's uh, it's funny. It's uh, clever. Really shows how how dumb I was when I, I watched it. I <laughs> I didn't know when when he gets up and starts singing "Twist and Shout." I didn't know who the hell the well, I knew who the Beatles were, but I just assumed that that was Ferris Bueller's song. <laughs> 
and later found out that it was the Beatles twist and he was lip syncing it. And I'm like, huh? Well, but, Ferris uh, Bueller as a character is so narcissistic and self-absorbed. He probably thinks it's his. Right. You know, it, uh, it started <laughs> my, my love of Mia Sarah. Um, it just, uh, it's, it's genuinely funny and it's one of those few comedies that I feel, uh, still stands up. You know, you can watch it and, uh, enjoy it because while there is some dated humor in it, for the most part, the themes there are still relevant today. So I, I really just, I genuinely love the movie. And see, I'm going to go with a, a movie I've always loved. I love Better Off Dead. But I actually think I like One Crazy Summer just a little bit more. Mm. I think One Crazy Summer is funnier. It has, up to this point, the most brilliant riff on Godzilla I've ever seen. I, I think Demi Moore is actually good in it. John Cusack is fantastic, especially when you find out the behind the scenes where he hated the making of this movie and got into such a fight with Savage Steve Holland. John Cusack wouldn't even attend the premiere of the film, and you see how great a <laughs> and you see how great of a performance he gives in this. I, I think Mark Metcalf steals this movie as that sadistic, literally mustache twirling villain. I think One Crazy Summer would be my non-genre pick. No, I love One Crazy Summer. I haven't seen it. You've never seen One Crazy Summer? Never seen One Crazy Summer. Oh, it's really good. It's yeah, it's 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 so. It, it, there is like a it's lot absurd. of really dumb... it, It's a movie that knows yes. it's a movie to a degree, but it doesn't. It is still played straight. Does that? Am I right there, Cecil? Kinda. Yeah, that's pretty. It's a pretty accurate way of describing it because everything that happened. Mm. It's all like if Leslie Nielsen was in this movie, it probably would have fit as well, you know, because there's so <laughs> there's all kinds of absurdity going on around the characters, but then they're playing it completely straight, and that's what really makes it funny. I mean, there's a movie within this movie that's being shot in Nantucket Bay. It's called Foam 2. It's about a giant radioactive dolphin with rabies terrorizing a small town. They're shooting that movie in the continuity of this movie. That's if that funny. doesn't sell you, I don't know what does. That sounds great. I'll definitely be checking this one out. But like I said, this was a very quintessentially 80s year. You've got movies that really could have only happened in the 80s here. Like something like Michael Mann's Band of the Hand. That's a pretty damn 80s movie. As Peter pointed out, Manhunter is a pretty damn 80s movie. You've got Blue City, the Care Bears movie, which is pretty <laughs> damn 80s. Choke Canyon from Avidito Asinitis. Cobra. Cobra and Club Paradise are absolutely 80s films. Crocodile Dundee could have only happened in 1986. Delta Force? Very, very 80s. The Fly remake? It's a pretty 80s movie. All right, Cecil, here you go. Rad could only have happened in 86. Rad absolutely <laughs> could only have happened in 86, or the 80s in general. It's so quintessentially 80s. I mean, ugh, just everything about that movie just oozes the 80s. I mean, we had My Little Pony the movie this year. That could have only happened, that version could have only happened in 86. Robotech the movie. That was pretty 80s. She's Gotta Have It by Spike Lee. Yeah, pretty damn 80s. Soul Man? Offensively, yes, only the 80s could have given us Soul Man. Terror Vision? It's genre, but yeah, Terror Vision, it's about satellite TV. In today's market, would someone who's, who was born in the 2000s even get Terror Vision at this point? Most likely not, no. You know, we had Transformers the movie, Trick or Treat, the Mark Price Halloween one. 
just the hairstyles alone are almost rad levels of 1986. <laughs> Cecil will love this one, The Wraith. Very 86. Hell yes. Oh, The Wraith is awesome. The Wraith is just amazing. How can you not love The Wraith? Before we get into the genre films, let's look at some of the good and bad non-genre films that came out this year. You've got Hal Ashby's fantastic 8 Million Ways to Die, as well as the John Frankenheimer 52 pickup that came out this year. Two great crime thrillers. Uh, I believe I saw 52 pickup. That, that was Roy Scheider? Yep. Uh, yes. And Vanity. And Vanity. That's right. And Vanity. I think when Vanity was was starting her, uh, her coke days i saw it so long ago well we also had armed and dangerous the john candy eugene levy movie that is way better as a trailer i think the trailer <laughs> is a fantastic movie the actual movie they used all the funny bits in the trailer i was so disappointed with armed and dangerous because i've watched pretty much anything with like john candy in it and eugene levy's funny but i don't really remember it i think i may have just been too young to remember anything really from it i was probably maybe 10 or 11 years old. Uh, but yeah, I've seen it. Nothing really uh, memorable about it, I guess. Nothing memorable enough to remember or any desire to watch it again. So that might say something. Oh, uh, yeah. I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, I do remember Arden and Dangerous. I remember the, uh, was it, uh, he's shooting at Eddie Murphy and he's like, dance! And he starts doing a moonwalk. Eddie Murphy's not in that movie. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, I'm thinking, oh, no, Armed and Dangerous was you're, the you're Eugene. Thinking of best, you're thinking I'm of thinking Best of Defense. Defense. I'm thinking of Best Defense. Armed and Dangerous was John Candy. John Candy, uh, Eugene, Eugene Levy, Levy, and Meg Ryan. Well, I like, and Meg Ryan. I like Armed and Dangerous. That was, was funny. I mean, it wasn't like laugh out loud constantly funny, but uh, I thought overall uh, it had a lot of funny bits. They, uh, I, you know, they, they did, of course, show uh, the best comedy in the trailer, but uh, I... I enjoyed it. I I didn't think it was that bad. I like it. Personally, no, I haven't seen the movie in about 10 years, but I remember Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield being really funny. Oh yeah, Back to School is uh, again, it's that's one it is a little bit dated, but it's got Oingo, so he, much he, he he gets Oingo Boingo to play his pool party. He does get Oingo Boingo to play his pool party. <laughs> but I mean, you've got uh, a young-ish Sally Kellerman Sam Kinison, as I, he was the history teacher, I think. Yeah. And I love the fact that it was like, you know, like sometimes you'll watch a movie and they'll be, they'll have the actor in there, but they're, you know, they're trying to act. It was basically, you know, they hired Sam Kinison to be Sam Kinison. <laughs> The, the one, uh, the one chick from, uh, Star Trek is in it, uh, whose name is escaping me. Robert Downey Jr., Ned Beatty, Burt Young, Adrian Barbeau. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, Kurt it, Vonnegut plays himself in Kurt a self-deprecating yeah. role. <laughs> Cancel his check. <laughs> like, but I mean, you got the triple Lindy, you know, is from there. I mean, that movie is very, very referenced. And another movie that, uh, has Twist and Shout in it. Although that one, you had, uh, Rodney Dangerfield singing it. Yeah, it's, uh, that is a genuinely funny movie that, uh, it, like I said, there's a little bit here, here and there that's dated. If I'm not mistaken, was that R or was that PG-13? PG-13. PG-13. That, that was still, that was still in the days when you could, PG-13 could push a lot too. Cause yeah, they had the, the scene where he's looking for his son and he's walking through and he thinks he's in the boys locker room and he's in the girls locker room and he opens the shower and he sees the one girl and he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see anything. And he closed it and then he opens again he's like by the way you're perfect yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man just really really funny movie yeah that one's fun it's been a little 
little while since I've seen it, but I, I do find that one enjoyable. You know, I love Rodney Dangerfield, and it had some a lot of really good actors, uh, early performances from Robert Downey Jr. and stuff like that. It's um, it's pretty good. Like, it's not uh, not one of those ones I would dub as like an amazing movie, just because it's been such a long time since I've seen it. Not really one of those I go back to pretty often. But yeah, it was it was good. Well, and then we've got another severely dated movie. Some people, I've seen this called a genre film. It really isn't. Have either of you seen the not John Carpenter, even though his name is above the title, Black Moon Rising with Tommy Lee Jones and Linda Hamilton and the just past Robert Vaughn? Long time ago. I just remember it being like a little more science fiction-y. And I think I watched it because... I was on a Linda Hamilton kick because after seeing her in Terminator, I was like, uh, you know, yeah, let me check this out. And I remember, I, I, I don't remember enjoying it very much, but it's been a very long time. Basically, Tommy Lee Jones has to steal a super car, you know, basically like a kit from Linda Hamilton, who steals it from him and he's got to steal it back because she works for a, a big smuggling ring led by Robert Vaughn. And then Hightower from Police Academy gets involved, and it's called John Carpenter's Black Moon Rising when he had absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with it other than pitching them an idea about Vietnam vets that are start having nightmares, and they literally changed everything. He says there's not one word of his script in that movie, but because they bought the title from him, they put his name above the title. So it's John Carpenter's yeah, I'm on the I- Black I'm on Moon a, Rising. I'm on the IMDb. I'm on the IMDb right now, and the director is like, Harley Cokeless, and it says, uh, it says, uh, writers was John Carpenter and screenplay was Carpenter. So I guess like they just credited that to get the name and just changed yeah. everything for themselves. That's yeah. John shitty. Carpenter's very open. This has nothing to do with him. The plot doesn't seem very Carpenter-esque. I don't think. I mean, it's not a bad movie. It's fun watching Tommy Lee Jones spar with Linda Hamilton, although their sex scene is a little awkward because <laughs> those two don't really mesh personality wise. No, not but really. Fine. <laughs> But then you you have the the movie I can't enjoy anymore because the guy's a fucking child molester. But you know you've got Choke Canyon starring now child molester Stephen Collins, which makes me not able to enjoy Choke Canyon, a movie I really did enjoy with Lance Henriksen as a villain. And either of you seen Choke Canyon, even though it stars a freaking child molester? Who was the child molester? Stephen Collins. Stephen, Co- Stephen Collins from Star Trek: The Motion Picture and oh, the Tales of the from... Gold Monkey. And that he dediddled his twelve year old daughter. The, oh, the guy fuck. from Seventh Heaven. Yeah. Two movies in 86 now with f***ing child molesters. The principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off was a child diddler, too. Or yeah. child porn. Caught for child porn or some shit. What the no, fuck? He no, was, he was actually caught with underage male prostitutes. Oh, okay. So that's even worse. Yeah. What What the f***? I've never seen uh, Choke Canyon, though. I just uh, IMDb'd it, though, and uh, it's got looks like it's got kind of a cannonball run vibe to it. Never seen it, though, no. No, I've never seen Show Canyon, surprisingly enough. Uh, as far as, like, I don't know, um, movies where, like, I, I think I have an easier time separating a movie where there's, like, an actor in it versus, like, something like Victor Silva, where, you know, he directed it. So it's still, you know, and he was, you know, he's another one who uh, uh, got busted for uh, for molesting the, what, 12-year-old, 12 or 13-year-old kid during Dolly Dearest. Oh, God. And, uh, no, and then no, he, d- d- during Clown House, and he videotaped it all. Clown House, oh, that's fuck. it. Clown House, yeah, because Dolly, what was Dolly Dearest was, I think, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, hey, but except yeah, yeah. in the case of Victor Silva, <laughs> he's, con- he, he, you know, he's out of prison, and then every movie he makes is full of shirtless teenage boys in their underwear. And you're like, really? Really, Victor? And, well, he gets out of prison, and who hires him? Disney. Disney for powder, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
that I just, I'm like, uh, cause I have so many people asking me to do, uh, Jeepers Creepers. And even though I like Jeepers Creepers, I, I just can't, like, it's like, look, if, if I talk about it, I'm going to have to talk about the 400 pound gorilla. I yeah. don't, I don't want to, you know? <laughs> so I'm, I just, uh, I'd rather just not do it. Well, you could always get someone like the Cobra on them. I love Stallone's Cobra. It is such a ridiculously over-the-top. And, I mean, I watched it again just about three months ago. It's a stupid movie. The characters all act stupid. It's a stupid plot. But I love Cobra. Hell yeah. Cobra is amazing. I mean, that was, uh, like, Stallone, his ego was just at an all-time high. It's ridiculous. There's so many just gunfights. The absurdity of it. I mean, he just, uh, he cuts his pizza with scissors. You know? <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. I, yeah, I really, really enjoy Cobra. The Cobra and, ain't gonna live by society's rules, man. Yeah, I mean, driving around in that freaking submarine on wheels. <laughs> and he, <laughs> that had freaking nitro, it could go like super fast. Had, yeah, like, yeah, power. exactly. Like, that's, that's not even the type of car that like fits that sort of thing. Like, I don't even know if that would could work nitrous in a freaking what is this what is supposed to be a cop car you know yeah it's just yeah it really it almost comes out like like either satire or parody but it's not you listen to the commentary they meant this totally straight man oh they they so did but but the thing is too that was kind of how things were you know they wanted that's a very 80s movie it's the very 80s movie they wanted the the you know tough as balls uh cop who just shot everybody and oh it's just wonderful I think it's no surprise to anybody that I model my life after Cobra 1980. <laughs> Marion Cobretti. Uh, that's right. Directed by George P. Cosmatos, starring Sylvester Stallone, music by Sylvester LeVay. Uh, Brian Thompson is the psychotic Arnold Schwarzenegger clone, Michael Myers villain. It's just such a f***ing retarded movie. Um, he keeps his gun right where his crotch is, and there's a cobra on the handle, and the, the f***ing catchphrases, and the action, and the synthy music, and the, the fight at the end it, with, in the steel mill, which just has so many homoerotic connotations. It's just such a fantastic 80s movie that you could not make today uh unironically i think this is a movie that you genuinely would have to make to to pull it off to make it work the way it did and to to make it today you would have they would they would totally do it like oh it's funny how he's wearing the shades at night and he's got the tight pants no you have to make this in the 80s and you have to make it genuinely with all the steroids and cocaine that were fueling it this is just such a perfectly retarded 80s alpha male action movie and i love it the weird thing about Cobra is this is what Stallone wanted to do for Beverly Hills Cop. When he <laughs> yeah. left the Beverly Hills Cop project, I don't know all of it because Cobra's partially based on a novel. He took, according to the Beverly Hill, Martin Brest on the Beverly Hills Cop commentary, many of his ideas he took from the, his Beverly Hills Cop rewrites and used them in Cobra. Think of Cobra as kind of what we almost had for Beverly Hills Cop. If you didn't live in 1986, you guys probably don't remember. There was this little brief period from about 86 to 88 where Americans were just obsessed with the Australians. That's the only time Mm -hmm. period Crocodile Dundee could have existed in. I'm not going to talk about the sequel because we'll deal with that when we get down the line, but I enjoyed Crocodile Dundee. I really did. It's a really really 80s movie though i saw it again about a year ago and i was i I had forgotten just how 1986 this movie was crocodile dundee is fun it's dumb it it completely plays to like the australian stereotypes paul hogan is is a lot of fun as a leading guy it's one of those movies i 
I revisit every couple of years. Actually, I should probably watch it with Charlotte at some point so I can make fun of it for its Australianness right in front of her nose. Um, that would be pretty fun. But yeah, I, I like it. I, I think it's just one of those sort of fun 80s action comedy enjoyable kind of movies. Like it, it's totally tailor fit for its time and that's all it needs to be. Well, that started America's uh, love affair with Australia. You know, we for two had, years. Uh, for two, you know, we had that. We had uh, Fosters. We had Yahoo Serious. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's still, it was a thing. I mean, everybody uh, loved Australia there for a little while. You know, the whole put a shrimp on the Barbie and all that stuff. And uh, it's, <laughs> it was fun. It's still, it's a, it's a sweet movie. It's, uh, it's got a lot of funny moments in it. Uh, you know, that's not a knife. That's a knife. It's got so many really classic lines that I think a lot of people don't realize at this point even where it came from. So I've always liked Crocodile Dundee. It is a little cheesy, especially by today's standards, but uh, it's still well done and a fun movie. We also got the kick-ass and criminally overlooked Gary Busey revenge flick Eye of the Tiger in 1986. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> have you seen that? Have you seen that one? I get, I'm guessing, yes. Peter. Yes, I have. I have it on a, on a four movie box set with exclusive. That, that was the first two. time it was ever released on DVD. So yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, the first time I saw this movie was when I picked up the box set and I'm so, so extraordinarily happy that I own this movie because it's one of my favorite, uh, so bad that it's good movies, uh, to put on when I just feel like watching something stupid or when I have people over. Like it's such a fun movie to introduce to people that the film begins with and this this sets the pace for the for the whole goddamn thing is you have eye of the tiger playing the song eye of the tiger by survivor as we have a crotch level zoom up of gary Busey and this other inmate as they're getting out of prison doing up their pants and adjusting their crotches set to eye of the tiger this is the opening of this film there you have it then the rest of the movie you've got gary Busey who somehow has this weird like it's it's not quite spider sense. It's Gary Busey sense that he picked up from uh, fighting in the war and from uh, being in prison where he can sense that danger is coming from. Uh, he could be anywhere and he'll sense that something is happening. Like there's a, a woman is being raped. So he storms off into his truck and finds her about to be uh, raped by a gang of uh, mo- motorcycle rapists. I guess those are kind of the bad guys of the movie. Then Gary Busey gets put in the hospital at some point and he stays there for like 35, 40 minutes. It's a really weirdly and oddly paced film and it's hard to really put your, your thumb on it. But Gary Busey is, is, uh, actually it says something really, the funniest part of this movie is the, the, the or not, not the funniest part of the movie itself, but the synopsis for it in itself is hilarious because the way it describes Gary Busey's character, a former ex Vietnam veteran. What the hell does that mean? How can you be a former ex nom vet like what that just because he was an ex nom vet and now he's an ex ex nom vet yes i guess going to prison does that (laughs) like i don't know it's such a bizarre movie but i love it the uh the four pack that it's on so i should uh, i will definitely be uh, bumping that up in the movies i need to watch it's well, uh, then, it's the best uh, it's the best documentary about Gary Busey's life uh, next to Hyder in the house. We've got a camera and we're following Gary Busey around the neighborhood. Also, I would say it's the most realistic t- portrayal of the PTSD suffered by nomvets. 
Oh, absolutely. Yes, it gives them like a spider sense for violence. But then you also had great films like Hamburger the Motion Picture with Dick Butkus that came out that year that no one remembers, rightfully so. <laughs> you had the the movie Hoosiers that everyone loves, unless you're like, you know, Cecil and Peter and I don't care about sports ball. You've got Iron Eagle, one of the most ridiculous military movies ever made. You've got the movie that pissed hey, don't me off. over be- Iron Eagle. <laughs> What's the matter with you? Iron Eagle is like another like Iron like so 80s movie. Kid steals a freaking oh, it's very jet 80s. from the military and he goes and to a beats, twisted sister song to a twisted sister song and goes and beats the shit out of uh, Iraq or Iran. Uh, Actually, at at that point, it might have been Libya. Libya, okay, goes goes Probably, and yeah. beats the shit out of uh some place where there's deserts and oil. Rescues his father and. Lou, Lou Gossett Jr.'s in it. Ah, oh, come on. Iron Eagle's outstanding. And they made Iron, four of those. Iron Eagle is the, uh, Iron Eagle is the better Top Gun. That's the way I've always seen it. Yes. I'll, I'll give you that, yes. You had the movie that I thought was going to be a comedy. JoJo Dancer, Your Life is Calling, starring Richard Pryor about his life and how it led him to blowing himself up and setting himself on fire. I was like, Richard oh, Pryor's God. in a new movie, and I'm finally old enough to see one of these in the theater. And it's like, wow, that's not the movie I thought I was getting. Either of you seen JoJo Dancer, Your Life is Calling? No, I don't think so. Doesn't sound too familiar. It is one of the few Richard Pryor movies that I have not seen. Probably because it's one of the few that's not a freaking comedy. Yeah, I mean, I just picked up Silver Streak the other day. Not 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 Tom Hanks' debut, but the very first time Tom Hanks ever got a starring credit in The Money Pit is not a good movie, but has amazing set pieces. There are little five-minute chunks in this 90-minute movie that are just brilliant and laugh-out-loud funny, and you have to set through 20 minutes of crap to get to the next one of those. Mm. So The Money Pit, I recommend just watching the best-ofs on YouTube. It was the remake of Mr. Blanding's Builds' his, uh, Dream House, and yeah, I'm with you. The, the set pieces in it were very good, and uh, it's okay, but it's definitely better than uh, Ice Cube movie. Is it a... Uh... Is it Are We Done Yet? Was the, the remake of, you know, yeah, it's, that stunk. But at least this was, <laughs> this was alright. We had Charles Bronson playing Charles Bronson again in Murphy's Law. Basically, he's playing Paul Kersey again as he plays Paul Kersey in all of his 80s canon films. Oh, so dated Deborah Foreman film, My Chauffeur, My Chauffeur with Sam Jones. That's another 80s to hell movie. Cecil, I know <laughs> you'll back me up on that one. My sister, uh, that was one of her favorite movies, and she would hog it. It's the... so 80s, though, isn't it? Oh, my God, is it so 80s. She used to hog the VHS player and would just play that just nonstop. And I uh, I can't tell you if it is a good movie or not because I hate it because she just played it so much <laughs> through no fault of the movie. It's uh, it just you can only watch, you know, uh, Deborah Foreman dealing with that uh, that douchebag British guy in the beginning so many times before you start <laughs> to, like, look for things to hit yourself with. I don't have much to say about that one, but I really liked Murphy's Law. Well, Murphy's Law was a good film, but it just it was it was another Death Wish movie that just wasn't called Death Wish. Which is nothing wrong with. I could watch those all day. You had The Name of the Rose, the movie where Christian Slater is in ye old England and doesn't even pretend to put on an accent. I mean, at least Sean Connery, you know, Scottish, he's an English investigator in ye old England. All right, fine. <laughs> Christian Slater doesn't even try, and that's what I love about Name of the Rose. Oh, and Ron Perlman oh whipping himself to make the pain go away is great, too. 
a long time ago and didn't didn't they make Christian Slater have that really bad monk haircut? Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I remember that's that's really the thing that kind of sticks out. And wasn't there um there was some like really out of place nudity in it too, wasn't there? There, there there's some there's a couple of brutal rapes in the movie and this is by monks. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's one of those movies, it's Peter. It's one of, it's, oh, yeah, it's monk exploitation. Well, and then you had like Oliver Stone's Oscar winning Platoon, which mm. is a fantastic movie. Yes. Uh, it's by far one of the best Vietnam War era stories ever. Like to me, it's, it's that and Full Metal Jacket are two of my favorites when it comes to like. That's cause, that's cause Platoon's almost autobiographical. Basically, yeah. Charlie Sheen's character is Oliver Stone. It's an amazing movie. Um, like it's one of the best, like actual, like, I mean, there are, there are the goofy ones, obviously, like, uh, uh Exterminator, uh, random Exterminator and all those other weird, like exploitation ones. But like Platoon is just up there as like just one of the most amazing war movies ever made. And it, it really gets heavy. God, uh, Bryce, who plays, uh, who plays Sergeant Barnes again? That's, uh, his name. Oh, not, Tom, Tom Berenger or, or, yeah. Tom Berenger, Tom Berenger. His, his whole speech in their little, little bunker when they're all, you know, smoking dope and shit. And he, he comes down with like the bottle of Jack and just like, you come down here, you smoke this shit to escape reality. I am reality and all this stuff. It's like, it's so good. Like every, every moment moment is just so it's a heavy heavy film i i actually i actually thought kevin dillon stole this movie as yeah. the complete psychopath soldier that johnny depp is trying to be the opposite of holy shit you ever yeah. seen a head come apart like that <laughs> never see brains like that man <laughs> yeah, he was, seriously he steals the movie and he's only in it for like 20 minutes he's a psycho and he he gets it good at the end too he gets a like stabbed to death by Viet Cong. but that's just an awesome awesome movie one of those ones uh, I'll watch like maybe once every one or two years just because it, it leaves you with such a heavy feeling by the end of it. And I think there's another movie we're going to talk to that leaves you with the uh, similar sort of feeling that also came out in 1986 when we get a little bit more into horror. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna breeze through these next ones because I want to get to the genre ones. But we've got Schwarzenegger and Raw Deal where he infiltrates the mob in one of the least convincing ways possible, but it's still <laughs> awesome. Well, and then we've got the surprisingly deep movie, no pun intended, River's Edge. You've got mm. Running Scared, which a movie that it shouldn't Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal shouldn't be able to carry an action movie but until the last 15 minutes where the movie shits the bed Running Scared is a great movie River's Edge I think we should highlight a little bit because I think that's one that, that that does fly over a lot of people's radar and it's a really great little uh, lesser known movie with uh, Crispin Glover and uh, Keanu Daniel Reed. Roebuck actually steals that from because yeah. he spends most uh, of his screen time with Dennis Hopper Daniel Roebuck steals yeah. the movie from Dennis freaking Hopper oh yeah and they're all like pretty much they're all metalheads and it's a great look into like 80s it's got uh, a slayer ep- soundtrack yeah, for it's god's sake awesome soundtrack this movie is one i would really recommend to people who want to see like uh crispin glover in something other than like back to the future in friday the 13th part four and although he crispin glover is pretty nuts in this movie he's, he's great he, though. he's on a different planet with his performance i will he's give really him that, fun though, though. It, he's really great and i think it's it's a great little look into like 1980s metal culture because i think in the 80s we saw a lot of like you know the synth pop kind of culture and you know the more the more the pop up the dancey kind of stuff whereas this actually shows you like metalheads and stuff which i thought was really cool and really different it had a great heavy metal thrash metal soundtrack a lot of slayer and stuff so i think that that's one we we should highlight and recommend to people 
people because I only just heard about this movie uh, in, in the last year or so, and I was blown away by it. Have you seen River's Edge, Cecil? I don't think so. I thought I did, but none of this sounds familiar. Ke- Ke- Keanu Reeves, where Daniel Roebuck kills his girlfriend and then is just kind of eh, and then Crispin Glover and Keanu Reeves help him cover it up, and they help him hide out with Dennis Hopper, who is a who grows his own pot in his apartment and is in love with his blow-up doll. <laughs> no, but am uh... I wrong? Am I, Peter? No, that's the movie, and they're all uh, leather jacket wearing metalheads that listen to Slayer. Oh, and it's also a true story too. And it's right. really good. And then, like Running Scared, I think is a fantastic movie until the big shootout at the in the empty mall at the end. It's it becomes a totally different film. The last fifteen minutes of Running Scared feel like like test audience reshoots to me, but yeah. otherwise, I love that movie. Salvador from Oliver Stone, amazing film. You got Short Circuit, which I've never really been a fan of. Sid and Nancy. I used to like the movie until I actually found out about the real Sid Vicious and then saw that that movie is a cartoon version of Sid Vicious. Soul Man. Even C. Thomas Howell said that movie is so racist and he'd never do that looking back at it. That's a terribly racist movie. No, no, I, I think, uh, I think culture nowadays, you know, people, especially the young, young, uh, demographic would really eat that movie up. I think it deserves a re-release. I think it should be re-released, uh, worldwide. I think people would really, really accept it. Absolutely. Okay. Let I, me, let me just put it, let me just put it into this perspective. If that's racist, then so is white chicks. Oh, well, yeah. White Chicks is totally <laughs> racist. And there, but White Chicks is getting a sequel, and White Chicks is not getting a fraction of the shit that it would if they like uh, compared to if they re-released Soul Man today. But Soul Man's also based on a true story. It really happened. Oh no way! I didn't know that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yes, Soul Man's a true story, you dipshit. All right, but I mean, but but even still, the the whole thing is is it's like I I don't. Uh, I don't subscribe to the, you know, one is racist and one isn't. It's like, it's either, but, but I mean, but the thing is, as far as I'm concerned, they both have every right to exist. You also had, you had Stand By Me, a film that, it's a good film. It's not one of my favorites. You have Three Amigos, which, oh, Stand By again, Me great. Yeah. I think it has its moments, but I don't like the whole thing. You have Top Gun, which is just a two hour long recruitment for the Navy film. No, you you're got, wrong. No, it's not that. It is the filler scenes in a gay porno without the actual gay porn. <laughs> I was going to say it's more That's fair. It's more of a recruitment for gays than it is the military. <laughs> what about militaries in the gay? You know, don't ask. There I you go. Exactly. There you go. It's military gay recruitment. Prince deciding, you know what? I can make a sequel to Purple Rain, Under the Cherry Moon, which everyone hated. You have the surprisingly funny Goldie Hawn football movie, Wildcats, with a young Wesley Snipes. You've got Youngblood with Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze, but no one cares about any of that. We want to we're going to talk about the genre films we've already mentioned like big trouble in little china and things like that but you also had april fool's day ironically enough coming out after the slasher boom april fool's day honestly is one of the most clever slasher films. april fool's day is the film scream thought it was oh big time april fool's day is incredibly clever not to throw out a, a, a spoiler alert, you know, uh, for a, you know, what, 20, 30 year old movie or 30 year old movie. But, I mean, I'm still not going to spoil it, but I'm just going to say that one of the very few times where there is a twist and you it's never, genuine. ever, ever see it coming, it's genuine, it's handled incredibly well, and you and, don't and, and feel yet, cheated. But, but, but you know what the sick thing is? Go review, read reviews at the time for why it bombed. They considered that ending a cop out. Mm hmm. 
it but was. that was the whole crux of the movie was was the the twist. Yeah, well, it was a cop out to 1986 critics. Uh, well, critics also hated uh, 80 what 82 critics hated the thing. So what do they know? I'm not the biggest fan of it. I kind of agree with the with the cop out thing. Um, I, I feel like the characters didn't really have uh, enough depth to justify this as like a satire. It should have just been an actual slasher movie. You also had Chopping Mall, which was a satire and an actual slasher movie. Oh. God, I love that movie. Robots that were created to, like, protect a, a shopping mall, and they go haywire and start going after these kids that are, like, partying in the mall, and there's a ridiculously awesome head explosion, and it was directed by a guy who I believe went on to, like, direct porn? I think oh, I, well, I, thought, I, I thought that was a Jim Wynorski. Yeah, Jim Wynorski's, like, well, he does softcore porn. He doesn't, you know. Yeah. yeah. But he's also done a lot of Roger Corman movies, too. Oh, he's done tons of Corman movies. Actually, yeah. some of the it, best this was all This was actually a Corman-produced film. Oh, yeah, it was. Like, you'll notice in the video store, they go into the video store at one point, every poster is from an early 80s Roger Corman flick. Forbidden World oh, and Galaxy of that. Terror and all that. I've always loved seeing that in uh, movies and stuff like that. Like, when you see a theater or, like, they're in a video store, and you kind of get a glimpse into who or, like, what the production company is or who's like backing it and you'll always see their movies which i always thought was really cool and uh yeah chopping ball is uh really awesome and i think actually one of the first reviews of cecil's that i saw as well yeah, yeah, i think you did that one way back in the day that was my second ever video barbara crampton uh uh dick miller is the janitor dick miller is the janitor yeah the, the killbots themselves because i mean originally the movie was killbots and they released it and nobody went to see it and then they re-released it as chopping mall and it ended actually up chopping being, mall is a better title chopping mall is a way better title it's funny it's a very good spoof on the whole thing you've got kelly maroney ends up being like the you know she's the real shy quiet girl but she ends up being the badass hero uh it's actually that's two movies in a row where she gets to pack an uzi yeah <laughs> you know my dad would have given a Susie's. She, uh, she just is terrific in that. And it's getting a Blu-ray release like any day now, which mm. is, uh, very cool. They're, uh, uh, I think Lionsgate resurrected, uh, Vestron video. And so they're re-releasing oh, a lot of the old, a lot of the old Vestron movies they're putting out. And they're even putting them on Blu-ray with like the Vestron label on it. So it's, it's very cool. Oh, and Lionsgate, if you're listening, please. A Blu-ray release of Hyder in the House from Vestron Video. It is the greatest f***ing Gary Busey movie ever made. He <laughs> hides in an attic and watches a family. I want Gary Busey on the commentary track because that would just make it just all the more great as him talking about <laughs> doing that. Because it, to me, that movie probably a didn't even know he was being filmed. Yeah, it's a documentary. It's just a movie about Gary Busey's everyday life. I'm going to pull your endocrine system out of your body. Okay, well, in 1986, we also got... Troma is going full force now. Class of Nukem High. Which, you know what? Th this might be sacrilege. I like Class of Nukem High better than Toxic Avenger. I'm sorry. I um, don't give a wet fart what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Nukem High is just such a cool little movie. It's very punk rock, uh, very dirty, yet very colorful. I, I love all the costume designs and stuff. It's, it's a really fun movie, and I do think it's obviously love Toxic Avenger. That's what got me into Troma. But there's just a magic to, to Class of Nukem High that I feel like they weren't able to really replicate with one of with any of their, their other movies. Like, that, to me, is a real uh, Troma classic. I, I've loved that one. I'm always going to love that one. 
it's tough for me. I like I would say I mean Class of Newcomb High is definitely one of my favorite trauma movies, but Toxic Avenger 2 is the t- trauma movie that I like over Toxic Avenger 1. So, uh I've been meaning to do a, like a a whole a trauma video, but uh uh cuz I just I freaking love trauma. But yeah, um You could actually, you know what? If if you'd pay for his air- airfare, you could actually get Lloyd to do it with you. Oh, I'm sure. We've also got uh cuz we've also got Deadly Friend and Short Circuit in the same year. Which which one came first out of those two? I I can never remember. Short Short Circuit actually came so out deadly first. Friend would definitely... Deadly Friend might have been made first, but as we discussed on the Wes Craven retrospective, yeah. it's not a very good movie. Well, it's well, the same It's the same year, though, with a similar concept with, like, the little little cute robot kind of thing. And I, I like Deadly Friend. And I like it's Deadly made, Friend, too. It's a cool one, where you've got, like, the kind of cutesy little robot that sort of goes on a rampage. Only he you throws got one a is... basketball... At, at throw mama from the train's yeah, head. At fist, he fist to the North Stars, that bitch. It's amazing. <laughs> well, in, in, in this year, we also have From Beyond, which is one Ooh. of the, just one of the most viscerally mind amazing <laughs> Stuart Gordon movies out there. And oh, we also God. have, I can't I think, believe. Uh, I, I just wanted to throw it out there because I just watched uh, From Beyond the first time uh, with my girlfriend a couple weeks back and uh, her first impression, just talking overall about the special effects. The special effects are so gross. <laughs> They're supposed to be. Exactly. It's a compliment to the movie. Like, she's acknowledged it's really, like, visceral, nasty, slimy movie. And I do think out of uh, Stuart Barbara Gordon's... Crampton is so freaking hot in that S&M gear. Out of, like, Stuart Gordon's uh, Lovecraftian stuff, I would consider From Beyond to be his uh, his best work. I really love that one. It's such a cool concept because it's like a continuation of the short story. Yeah, I mean, where else are you going to see Jeffrey Combs with a penis growing out of the middle of his head? (laughs) (laughs) It's a pineal gland. A pineal. It's not a penis. It's a penis. penis. It's It's got a big head and a long shaft. It's a penis. <laughs> a lot of lot of uh, homosexual undertones in the uh, 1986. We got Top Gun, we got Cobra, and we got From Beyond. Peter, I'm disappointed you didn't bring up Paco Kurek. This is Hands of Steel's year, man. Oh, it, it is. Oh my God. Um, probably because I talk about this movie so much on the show. Um, is it's Hands of Steel, Sir, Sergio Martino's Hands of Steel, which is a fantastic uh, exploitation ripoff exploitation. George movie. Eastman arm wrestling over rattlesnakes. George Eastman is the strongest, Raul Morales, the truck-driving arm-wrestling champion. This movie proceeded over the top, which is funny because you've got Daniel Green in it, who is a very, like, Sylvester Stallone type in, in terms of, like, rip-off action heroes, like Z-grade guys. Like, Red Brown's obviously kind of the Schwarzenegger, and then I've always kind of seen Daniel Green as sort of the Stallone type, so it's kind of weird to see him in this movie that's got the arm wrestling truck drivers and, and a and big bald arm wrestling champion much like the one in over the top and there's truck drivers and stuff but this preceded it but it's also a terminator knockoff i i, I really love this one a lot it's got a great um steve it's the dude uh who does the he, he's in uh goblin it's one of their one of their synthesizers i forget exactly what his name was um because he's done like solo work as well he also did the the movie the the music for Diodato's Cut and Run. I, his name is escaping me, though, but it's a great uh, synthwave soundtrack. Simonetti, Claudio Simonetti. That's it. That's the one I was trying to remember. It's just such as, a as memorable... As soon as you said Cut and Run, I, lo- I love his score on that. Yeah. As soon as you talked about Cut and Run, I'm like, okay, you're talking about Simonetti. 
Yeah, and he, he had a just as awesome uh, synthwave score for for Hands of Steel. Such a memorable. I've, I've, been, I've been trying to find the soundtrack for this movie for the longest time because I've been wanting to hear an actual like clear version of the. I, I just call it the Paco theme, where every time he shows up, it's just bam. It's just it's it's just a theme of the film that song because I guess Claudio thought it was so cool, or or Sergio Martino thought it was like the best thing ever that they just had to keep using it that or they just didn't have enough money to pay Claudio or something but they keep using that song and it's fantastic and I just I, I love Heads of Steel or uh, Arms of Steel or Fists of Steel or Atomic Cyborg one of the other millions of alternate titles that the film has but it's it's probably my favorite exploitation movie of all time and uh, those that haven't seen it please go see it it's it's Terminator with arm wrestling cyborg assassin robots and and george eastman with a and a global warming sub the whole global warming thing yes it's it's phenomenal and you got john saxon with a giant laser gun you really can't miss and then you've you've got like the hitcher which i didn't necessarily like you have the first house movie which i don't want to talk about because next month we're doing a whole retrospective on that you have the invaders from mars remake which we've talked about in a previous episode the little shop of horrors remake which i think is way better than the original you've got shut up cecil neon maniacs came out this year Neon Maniacs is one of the few movies where I really, really would love a remake done, like, with the original ideas intact. To be able to complete the story that they couldn't do because they just didn't have the money. But do, you know, the the costume designs, like, the concept, everything was on point. They just ran out of money, and uh, they had to kind of make it up as they went along in order to afford an ending. You also have you also have Fred Decker's Night of the Creeps, Sorority House Massacre, The Interesting Spookies. You got Terror Vision, Trick or Treat, Troll, The Amazing Vamp. You got Witchboard from Kevin Tinney, Tia Carrere, Adam West, and and Thor in Zombie Nightmare. Yeah. John Mickle Thor, yes. Night of the Creeps is amazing. Uh, Spookies has a brilliant behind-the-scenes story about how they shot two different movies. It's better than the movie. Well, that's that's the, well because there's two movies. They shot two movies. Both movies ran out of money, so they managed to edit together the two movies to make one Franken film. Uh, what Witchboard is uh, like? It's it's one of the few Ouija board movies that doesn't really scare me because it's not really so much about the Ouija board once uh, they they get past that part. Vamp is hilarious. You've got uh, Grace Jones playing, like, sexy again. Dee uh, Dee Pfeiffer, so cute. Dee Dee Pfeiffer was very cute. That's that's another one. I think that's another Vestron one that's getting released. Well, and then this year also had its fair share of sequels as well. You've got Poltergeist 2, The Other Side, which we talked about in a previous episode. you got Psycho 3, which we talked about in a previous episode. Underrated. Yeah, Friday great the... movie. Really good. It, it's a great movie. Jeff Fahey almost outsleezes Norman Bunce from the second film. Yep. Uh, you got Friday the 13th Part 6 arguably the best of the Friday the 13th. You've got one of the best for sure. You've got Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which we've talked about in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. You got Demons 2, which is not as good as Demons 1. I like the first film better, sorry. And then you've got not a sequel, but David Cronenberg's remake of The Fly, which I like David Cronenberg just for something about that movie just doesn't do a damn thing for me. Blasphemy. I'm sorry. I know Cecil loves it too, but I just don't like it. It's not a bad movie. If you like it, like it. I just don't. <laughs> oh, you don't like the... F- What's wrong with you? <laughs> I just never got into that one. I'm sorry. Oh, Jeff Goldblum is watching you poop. We, we've got the three films that 
are probably going to be most remembered for this year. You've got Blue Velvet from David Lynch, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer by John McNaughton, and the film most people haven't seen because you could only see it at a ride, Francis Ford Coppola and George Lucas's Captain EO. Oh, God. You forgot about that one, didn't you? Michael Jackson as a, as a space captain battling Angelica Houston. The Wizardry of Lucas. The Mastery of Coppola. The Phenomenal Music and Dance of Michael Jackson. Captain EO. In Spectacular 3D. Now playing at Disneyland and Walt Disney World, and nowhere else in the universe. Holy shit. Yeah, that, that's real. I've only ever seen so, clips of it. I actually own the work print. Oh, jeez. I haven't seen the Captain EO thing, but Blue Velvet and Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer are two of my favorite, like, just beyond f***ed up movies that I've ever seen in my life. With Blue Velvet, it's a David Lynch movie. Obviously, you're going to expect it to get kind of weird. But this one gets very weird. Like, it takes your your typical sort of noir detective sort of story and spins it just right onto its head. You've got Dennis Hopper playing one of the most insane characters, I think, in cinema history. I'll f*** anything that moves! But there's, like, there's the whole speculation that, like, Kyle McLaughlin's character, there's, like, the speculation that there's the scene, you know, where they have him kind of kidnapped in the car uh, out in the junkyard or whatever, and then he's kind of, like, walking home and limping and stuff, and, you know, he's kissing him before they're starting stuff. There's a speculation that, like, Kyle McLaughlin's character gets raped by Dennis Hopper and all this stuff, like, it does kind of play it, like, ambiguously, and you wouldn't be surprised if Hopper's character did that, because he was a crazy fucker. Like I, like, I don't think it really mattered to him. It was all a, like a power play sort of thing. Just all the, all the general weirdness of that, of that one. And then, then you got a movie like Henry, which, oh my God, that's easily one of the most like, uh, like psychological and like physically hard to watch films. Like it leaves the you with The videotape scene is so hard to sit through. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That whole movie is, it's another one of those, just like a uh, platoon that I can watch it maybe every one or two years or something like I'll, I'll go back to it because I love it as a film. I think it's really incredibly well-written and Michael Rooker just has to be the standout performance of his career. I'd say, do you know how Michael Rooker got cast in that movie? They couldn't figure out an actor to play Henry. Michael Rooker worked for FedEx at the time and he was the FedEx delivery boy who delivered it, the script from the studio to John McNaughton after he sent it back. And all he said when he saw Rooker was standing at his door was, Oh God, tell me you can act. <laughs> Are you serious? That's so. This was like Rooker's first movie. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit! That's impressive. Th- that's how he was cast. He happened to deliver the script to John McNaught, and then he delivered a hell of a performance. Probably the performance of his career. I, I don't think he's done anything better than Henry. I mean, he's been in good movies, but as far as like performance-wise, this has to be his best movie. And I'm actually utterly stunned that that's his first film. And just going back to the whole watching it once every year or two or three or whatever. It's because it, it leaves you, it's a great movie. It's a dirty, it, it leaves, leaves you feeling, feeling dirty. You feel, yeah, you feel dirty and empty and just, just like you've done something bad watching it. Like it's one of those movies where like if somebody walks in the room and you're watching it, you turn it off. It's like, what were you doing? Uh, watching porn? It's like you didn't even want to admit <laughs> that you're watching Henry. Well, it's like- uh- the, the movie is supposedly based on the real life serial killer Henry, Loosely. Henry Lee Lucas, Loosely but based. 
Well, uh, the police had, have a lot of doubts about this is his version of events, and they have a lot of doubts about how much it, ha- it actually happened. So that's why allegedly it's a lot like, based uh, on really Lucas. A lot like with uh, with Gein, the Ed Gein, where we don't actually know how many people he really killed or what he really did. All we know about was the state his house was found in and whatnot. So there's only the speculation and the claims that the actual uh, killer or whatever has made. But Henry is just one of those, like, I would consider it in, like, my, not even top ten, but top three, like, best horror films of all time. Like, this movie still just shakes me to my core when I watch it. And it's why I can only watch it, a, you know, a, a couple times every few years because it, it still leaves me with that lingering feeling. And I like that. I like that I'm not desensitized to it. I like that it still scares me. And it's one that I really recommend to anybody who wants to see just, just a really f***ed up movie and, and, and everything is like not freaking you out anymore and y- you need something to really shake. This one's going to shake you up. Blue Velvet is... um I would, uh, I'd throw that classic line out there, but it's got the F-bomb in it, so I'll let it go. And, uh, Henry's <laughs> Portrait of a Serial Killer is just a very wet, messed up, weird-ass movie. And Tom Tolles is fantastic as Otis as well. But we have to talk about the top box office. This is one of the first years we've done this. I only really don't like two of the films, and one of them I kind of do. The top grossing box office films for 1986 were... Top Gun, which, as I pointed out, I don't really like. Crocodile Dundee, Platoon, Karate Kid Part 2, highly enjoyable. Surprisingly, Star Trek IV The Voyage Home with over, with $109 million. Back to School. Is that the whale one? That's the whale one. You got Back to School, you got Back to School, which, as much as we were praising it, I'd forgotten was a box office hit. You've got Aliens, you got The Golden Child, which, okay, I love this movie. I don't care if Eddie Murphy hates this movie. The Golden Child is fantastic. Shut the hell up, Eddie Murphy. You made Daddy Daycare. You don't get to talk about bad movies anymore. I, 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 I want the idol. The knife. I want the knife. That's it. I want the knife. Please. My dear sweet brother Numsi. Brother Numsi. Uh, and then you got, you got Ruthless People, which is a, a pretty, it's a funnier film than it should be. And then as I said, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller is a narcissistic sociopath and you kind of realize you're following the villain throughout the whole movie, which I don't like. But why do you, got, why do you like, uh, Henry? Why do you like Henry then? Cause he doesn't pretend he's the good guy. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> he was all, all Ferris did, he didn't feel like, he was just shirking responsibility. I can, uh, I can identify with that. Well, but then we've got the golden raspberries. <laughs> Cecil, hold your water until I finish them all. All worst right. Pi- worst picture was a tie between Howard the Duck and Under a Cherry Moon. Worst director was Prince. Worst actor was oh, Prince. <laughs> worst actress, Madonna, for Shanghai Surprise. And she is pretty bad in that. Worst supporting actor, Jerome Benton, Under the Cherry Moon. Worst supporting actress, yes, I'm serious, Dom DeLuise in Haunted Honeymoon. Because remember, he's playing a woman in that. And worst screenplay, yeah. Howard the Duck. All right, Cecil, go. Eh, I'll, you know, I know we're running out of time. I'll just say that they're, they're all wrong. Well, uh, when they're talking about Howard the Duck, they're wrong. Whatever. This is the same year that uh, Labyrinth came out, and they're not even going to mention that. Labyrinth was a huge critical and financial success. Which is so weird to me. I love it, but to me it stands in like, like, if that was critically and financially successful, like, Big Trouble in Little China should have won some awards, too. It's on the same level, in my opinion. It's the same weird kind of... Same yeah, with big, Golden Child. Those, big those Trouble in Little China, those big three Trouble in Little movies, China bombed. 
I know. I don't get it. It's the same type mm-hmm. of movie. The same with Golden Child. You can watch those three in succession and have an awesome movie night of just like weird sort of fantasy fair, but like not really. Like they're, they're like the three. Those three movies are almost the same thing to me. So it's it's kind of weird that uh, yeah. that Big Trouble would bomb. You know, I just want to throw this out there. Uh, the, the totally talking about Big Trouble just reminded me. If you've never seen it, a lot of people have not. If you love Big Trouble in Little China, there's a movie that also came out in 1986 that got completely buried. Because if you think Big Trouble in Little China bombed, this movie bombed even worse. It's a movie called Jake Speed. Jake Speed is, is fun as hell. Jake Speed is so much goddamn fun. It's a very pulpy kind of movie, and it does have a, a total uh, Big Trouble Little China vibe to it. It just has that same just feel. You've got the you got the the really super cocky villain, or I'm sorry, really super cocky hero, and it's. A lot of fun. If you haven't seen it and you love Big Trouble in Little China, definitely track it down and watch it. It is a great time. I also want to point mm. out is I want to also want to point out three quick films here. Now I am not a fan of Jackie Chan, but Armor of God came out this year. I think John Woo's fucking amazing A Better Tomorrow came out this year. The really strange Fred Olin Ray armed response with David Carradine, Lee Van Cleef, and Michael Berryman. If you haven't seen Armed Response, <laughs> you need to. So all that said, Cecil, how old were you in 1986? I was young. That's it. Yes. Where can we find you? <laughs> <laughs> Not getting an age out of me, fucko. I actually know your real age. I just won't say it on the air. You can find me at escapistmagazine.com, um, goodbadflicks.com. You can find me at YouTube at goodbadflicks, as well as goodbadflicks on Facebook and Twitter. And not Instagram. And not Instagram, yes. Still, still fighting over that. Peter, where where can people find you? Because I believe you weren't even born yet, were you? No, no, I was still I was still swimming around in my daddy's balls in 1986. But you can find me uh, talking about yeah, you can find me talking about movies and stuff on uh, Twitter at Cinematica on YouTube, the Cinematica is Facebook, the Cinematica is 1201beyond.com and the Grindhouse channel. You can find me at 1201beyond.com. Contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. I am also at thegrindhousechannel.com. So, guys, 1986 was an eclectic year, as this is the most 80s year we've done so far. Guys, try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night. Relax. You're quite safe here. Look, I must have a star on my door. Or better still. A door? A door? A door? Swing doors, huh? Okay, doors. Swing.
Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.